Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey guys, we're back. This is the World Soccer Talk podcast. Uh, my name is Christopher Harris. I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnayer. Kartik, it's been a couple of weeks since the last episode, and we've been waiting. And I think you've been waiting, um, listeners, you've been waiting too to find out what's going on with this whole US Open Cup, Major League Soccer fiasco. Uh, we were holding off on this to, to kind of talk about it in more detail. It still hasn't happened as of recording. By the time you listen to this podcast, it hopefully, maybe, will, will have happened by then. But before we get to that, Kartik, I want to ask you a question. And, and, and be honest, I mean, on, on this one, as you always are, in the last couple of weeks, or the last few weeks, you mean, how much soccer have you had a chance to watch because of all of this US Open Cup fiasco, MLS fiasco? How much soccer, you mean, what stands out for, uh, for you from what you've watched? I haven't watched, I've watched hardly any soccer. Um, Leverkusen, the Bayern games. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, and and the the Bundesliga has been. Oh, I think I watched uh, uh, Ipswich and Rotherham, but that's it. I mean, it's been it's just been a handful of games over the course of the last month. You could start at the beginning of Feb. You could start with the weekend of the USSF AGM, where I prioritized watching those Mm -hmm. meetings that weekend over the live soccer football that was on at the same time. Yeah, and that that weekend was a big weekend for soccer, just because I mean the Bundesliga, like you mentioned before too, all the protests that happened in Germany um, against the you mean private uh, private equity companies, and uh, I mean and the the Bundesliga fans won, the fans of the German clubs won, uh, the Bundesliga saying okay, no okay, we've decided not to move forward with this uh, private equity uh, investments from you know, Saudi Arabia. I think the United States too. I mean, there's a lot of investment wanting to get in to buy those media rights, and yeah, and and that's the reality too. Is that so much of the business of soccer the last well last few months? I mean, it, it's ongoing, right? I mean, this podcast used to be about just watching talking about watching soccer. <laughs> the business of the business side of it in the United States, especially, is so messed up. That it kind of actually sucks sucks up so much of our time that we're not able to watch as many games. For me personally, I mean, I've I've been able to watch. I mean, games um, definitely, certainly. Uh, FA Cup stands out for me. The midweek matches, the Newcastle Blackburn game was great. Chelsea against Leeds oh, was but, fantastic. But why are there midweek FA Cup matches? I think we'll get into that when we talk about the U.S. Open Cup. Well, let's talk about the U.S. Open Cup then. <laughs> um. I mean, for those listeners, I mean, most of our listeners know, uh, basically, this started happening in uh, mid-December when Major League Soccer announced that they were planning 
to not put their teams into the U.S. Open Cup. Um, you mean prioritizing other things and 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 you mean basically complaining about the schedule and about how the U.S. Open Cup uh, is being run. Um, I, I'll jump right to it, Kartik, and and this is this is really kind of uh, my my two cents on this whole thing is I don't blame Major League Soccer. Honestly, I blame U.S. Soccer. The way that they're handling not just the U.S. Open Cup, but the U.S. Open Cup is a great example of how screwed up the whole system is in the United States in terms of soccer. You've got leagues competing against leagues on the men's side and the women's side. You've got a U.S. Soccer Federation that is weak, that is incapable of really you know, putting together a tournament, getting all these different competing leagues together to agree to play in a tournament. I, I mean, to me, the U.S. U.S. soccer is a shambles. I mean, really, they're supposed to be the governing body of soccer in this country. Yes, they do a good job in terms of organizing the, the men's uh, national team and the women's national team. And I'm, and I'm sure there's a lot of other things that they do a good job of. But right now, I mean, Kartik, you look at across U.S. soccer, how chaotic it is. And, and a lot of it, and that's one of the reasons why you, you've spent so much time of your time trying to you mean, report on this and 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 interview the, the people at the leagues. Um, and to me, I mean, in terms of press conferences, Major League Soccer had a press conference shortly after that decision in mid-December. U.S. Soccer has been completely silent. There's been no press conferences. There's been no availability uh, availability for the press to speak to U.S. Soccer to find out what's going on. We've heard, you know, through the grape through the grapevine, which is basically through Twitter, that's where we're getting most of our news from. And most of them are independent reporters that are reporting the news. To me, Kartik, this is a perfect example of how screwed up the whole U.S. soccer system is. What's your thoughts? Well, first off, I think Europe has contributed to this in two ways, which I'll get to in a minute. But in terms of um, the U.S. Uh, soccer Federation not speaking, I think, look, they have um, three or I think two active lawsuits still going against them, and they have two that have recently been settled. So I think there is a fear of litigation. There is a fear of saying the wrong thing. Um, you had in Sunil Gulati in the past a very undisciplined uh, person running the Federation in terms of who he spoke to, when he spoke to them, how he spoke to them, etc. And I think uh, the lawyers at USSF were probably telling Cindy Parlocone and JT Batston hey, let's be much more careful about what we say because we could get sued one way or another. Yeah, but no reporter is going to sue them. We're, what we're asking for no, is no, transparency. No, no, no. No, but if we're asking the for them thing, to, no, to actually no, speak to the, the press. No, I disagree with that because, no, I agree with that, that they should be transparent. Okay, but if you say the wrong thing, which that federation has a history of doing I know, from but their leadership, you're going to get sued. What are they going to say that's so wrong that they get sued? They can say they can be open and say, "Hey, we're still in conversations with Major League Soccer. We've been back and forth. That the head of U.S. Uh, uh, the U.S. Open Cup Committee has has resigned. There were rumors that Stu Holden stepped down too. But all the, all these things are being kind of reported on basically through Twitter. Uh, there's been no dialogue with U.S. Soccer as far as explaining, "Hey, this is the situation that we're in. Here's what's happening. We're still in discussions." We hope to have a resolution soon. They're not going to get sued for that. No, but, well, 
I actually, I, I, I'm privy to some of the things that's gone on, and I don't want to talk about it on, on this show. Okay. Publicly. I, I mean, uh, I get, I know why they haven't made the state that particular statement, the specific statement you, and and it and it is potentially legal. Okay. I mean, I get, I get why they are, have, I mean, are really careful about what they do, um, and it, I mean, even outside of the U.S. Open Cup, I mean. You look at back at AGM, kind of the and the public session of that, where they were it was open to the public, where we could actually watch that. Um, I mean, the announcement in terms of what they're planning on doing and giving an update, kind of an open session of the U.S. Soccer AGM. I mean, the, you can see. I don't know the way that the operation of U.S. Soccer operates is very insular. It, 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 yeah. it's really yeah. really rare that they they speak to the press. You mean in an open situation where we can ask questions? No, and, and you're right about you're absolutely right about that. And the Federation has a bad habit of picking and choosing certain reporters they want to feed information to, and um, and pitting reporters against reporters. They've they've had a history of that. And in addition to your point on the open and closed session, that was quite bizarre. And I'm still trying to find out what happened in the closed session as it applies to NISA, which is not related well it is kind of related to open cup but um apparently there were some things discussed in that closed session related to their venues that i've been spending the last 10 days trying to scramble and get information about so uh, or more than 10 days however long it's been since then 20 days um so yeah your point is very well taken on that and let's remember u.s soccer is a non-profit so they have certain reporting obligations and they seem to do the bare minimum on that and that's another thing about the open cup so you mentioned arthur Matson. Uh, who I know, who, who's uh, obviously a, a leading figure in the sport here in Florida. Um, I think maybe the most influential uh, person in Central Florida in, in growing the sport in the last 20 years or so. Um, he he was the chair of the Open Cup Committee, and he resigned. Um, and I know um, some of the rules and procedures of the Federation, I don't want to get too deep into this, but in, in terms of the legal stuff, um, may have been violated in the process of what triggered um, Matson to step down. And um, that's something I think more will come out in time. But you're right. Maybe they should be open. Okay, so what I should say, Chris, is I think that the danger is that they should not be meeting. Uh, they maybe have a problem meeting with reporters and then saying the wrong thing. But if they put out a printed statement, that's different, right? They can do that. And yeah. they haven't done that. And they haven't done that. So, yeah, I guess to your point, they haven't even put out a statement. I was thinking more of a press conference. But, yeah, uh, statements, they haven't done they haven't done that either, right? We haven't heard from them since December, um, that Wednesday after the um, – um, when it, Yeah, uh, when I, the, yeah. Press release, the press release that said that basically that uh, – December that, 20th was the date. That uh, – MLS is, you mean, basically move was was denied in terms of, of uh, you mean, exiting the, the tournament, you mean, exiting the U.S. Open Cup. I mean, and, and that's the thing, though, too. I mean, so with Major League Soccer, I mean, obviously they're doing, you mean, everything. Basically, what they're trying to do is, is kind of really kind of, uh, I mean, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, I mean, what this tells me, Kartik, is that. Major League Soccer is the one with the power in this country. It's not the U.S. Soccer Federation. U.S. Soccer Federation, to me, looks weak in, in this. We don't know the final decision in terms of what happens with the U.S. Open Cup, but there's been plenty of reports uh, through Twitter and independent reporters that looks like it's going to be eight teams from Major League Soccer will participate in the 2024 U.S. Open Cup. 
and the remaining uh, will not because of, of many different reasons, uh, including CONCACAF Champions League, which some of the teams have exited that tournament uh, already. So like, to, to me, I mean, what this tells me and, and what I said before, too, where I, I really don't blame Major League Soccer on this one. I, I blame U.S. Soccer is that U.S. Soccer has shown that they are weak, that they don't have much power at all. Major League Soccer is the one calling the shots. They're the one that said mid-December, hey, we're pulling out. And then, okay, now it's going to be eight teams going into the tournament. Probably next year, that might be zero. So to me, U.S. soccer has shown no strength. I mean, no uh, capability of basically organizing soccer. I mean, you look at the system that we have in place. We have leagues, again, competing against each other. You have some cities where you have uh, teams from separate leagues in the same city that will never play each other unless it's for the U.S. Open Cup. And with the U.S. Open Cup in the future, who knows if this competition will continue? I mean, we're now at the end of February, and this U.S. Open Cup thing still hasn't been resolved. It's just a complete mess. Yeah, with the Nisa venue thing, by the way, I mean, I'm trying to track uh, the the approval process for Showalter Field in Winter Park. That's a local story for me. But that would actually put Club de Leon in Nisa about five miles away from where Orlando City plays. Yet those clubs will never meet, right? Uh, and now, especially with Open Cup, maybe, maybe they'll play Orlando B. Um, and uh, same thing, Atlanta. There's uh, now a new Nisa club in, in Irvine that's going to play in the same stadium as uh, the USL club, although maybe they'll play each other. Um, but I, I blame Europe for part of this, what's gone on in Europe. Um, because, uh, look, the Premier League, uh, everybody likes to think the Premier League is this, this virtuous thing. But they pushed the FA into making changes to the FA Cup that I called, blew the whistle on at the time and thought were very detrimental. That's why you're watching midweek FA Cup matches. That's why I wasn't able to watch this round of the FA Cup, because it was midweek. They've eliminated the replays in some of the rounds. Now, the fans of the top six clubs think this is great, because they're like, ah, the replays weren't paying. Arsenal and Man City don't need to be playing extra fixtures. Well, that was a revenue driver for lower division teams that they've now lost. And then in terms of the midweek fixtures, uh, if Middlesbrough gets to host the midweek game in the the FA Cup against Chelsea, let's say, they don't have as good much of an opportunity to fill that stadium as they would at the weekend. So it both of these things were done for the Premier League to hurt the rest of the pyramid. Now, they didn't withdraw from the FA Cup, to their credit, but I think they were beginning to make threats about it. So MLS sees that. You give MLS an inch, they're going to take a mile, right? Because they're, they're the most, they're so malignant and malicious in the way they conduct themselves. Um, so the Premier League, they get concessions from Europe. The other big event, as Jeff Reuter has now reported at The Athletic, is that the European Court of Justice came up with that Super League ruling the very day after U.S. soccer issued the statement. That was December 20th. December 21st, we got the court ruling. And MLS apparently has taken the court ruling to U.S. soccer to threaten them and say, hey, you really can't put uh, sanctions against us. When I, when I say put sanctions, that's different than sanctioning, right? You can't punish us, I should say, um, because of this ruling. Now, I agree with you on U.S. soccer. I would say the U.S. So- I, if I'm U.S. soccer, I'd say, okay, that's a European uh, court of justice decision. Our antitrust laws, our governing laws, our laws governing um, governing Olympic sports in particular, right? So this puts soccer in a different category than a football um, and, 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 and American football, right? Um, is different. 
our laws that Ted Stevens had um, is different than what they have in Europe. So if you really believe that, sue us. That's what I would have done if I'm U.S. soccer. But as I said earlier, they're lawsuit averse. So um, European Court of Justice makes this ruling. MLS lawyers and MLS is a league run by lawyers. For those who don't know uh, how I'm, uh, you know, the people who are the highest levels in MLS, they're all lawyers. Um, it threatens U.S. soccer, apparently, according to the athletics reporting with this. And U.S. soccer then kind of, uh, you know, gets scared. But to your point then, or to my point earlier about Arthur Matson. Uh, resigning as Open Cup chairman, they then began back-channeling with MLS, apparently. This is some reporting I, I can do. I don't know if it's been in other places. I think it has been, um, particularly Hudson River Blue, Michael Batista, who's done such a fantastic job reporting on this cup. They start back-channeling with MLS, going around the committee. And so that is not right. And that also, Chris, goes to your point that rather than than than, than governing the game properly, they are um, they are just trying to placate MLS. And yes, there's mass confusion in the soccer pyramid. Basically, we're in a position where because they have competing leagues and U.S. soccer has not played referee, um, if a league puts a team in a city, then another then the other competing league puts tries to put a team in that same city or nearby. You've had it just in the last couple of months in your, in, in your area, in Jacksonville. And it's happening all over the country. I just mentioned NISA putting a team in, in a stadium, not just in a town with a USL team, but in the very same stadium. And then, of course, moving a team within a couple of miles of MLS. I don't like territorial rights and territorial restrictions. I think that that's anti-competitive. But at the same time, U.S. soccer has to at least be talking to these leagues and saying, hey, you know, maybe this isn't a good idea, MLS. Or, hey, this isn't a good idea, USL. And, and, and they don't do that. They, they plainly don't. Yeah, part of this too is that the way that U.S. soccer runs its business, which is, I mean, complete chaos, right? This has been going on probably what two decades, Kartik, yeah. as, as far as like just kind of mismanagement of the leagues. I mean, whether it was the NASL back in the day or the new NASL, and then you mean, and then of course Major League Soccer. I mean, the soccer wars, which you wrote, right? You wrote the book. I mean, that's probably what ten years ago now. You mean, and it's, it's still it's horribly, it's horribly dated at this point. Well, it is and it isn't though. But you mean it, it? It is out of date, but then it is very current because the same things that were happening ten years ago are happening today in terms of infighting, complete disorganization. Uh, you wrote about, in the, I think, in that book about Sunil Galati, the U.S. Uh, U.S. Soccer uh, Federation president. Uh, trying to get the, t the the camps together, the leagues together, say, hey, guys, we need to figure out a solution here to make this work. Um, we don't have that anymore. And, and, and Sunil, I was not a big fan of at all. But at least with Sunil, he did try to actually organize things and, and try to get people to agree. What we have right now is com complete chaos. I, I mean, as a soccer fan living in, in, in the United States, I get why people prefer oftentimes to watch so soccer from Europe, whether it's the Bundesliga, whether it's Serie A, whether it's the French League, whether it's the Premier League, whatever league it may be, or La Liga, because it runs like clockwork. It runs on time. You know when the games are going to be on. There's no chaos like you have in the, in the United States. We have Major League Soccer uh, fighting with the, the referees, and you're bringing in youth so youth soccer referees and college soccer referees to, to, call, to actually officiate games because uh, you mean because there's pickets going on? I mean, to me, that's not happening in any other country, any other 
major soccer country in the world. And, and to me, I just see the U.S. Soccer Federation has been incredibly weak and it's not a good look. The referee situation is, is uh, uh, people think we, we beat up on MLS and all this other stuff. And you can have, uh, I think, a, 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 an effective counterpoint to some of our opinions on MLS. On the referee thing, I don't see the counterpoint. I mean, I think people who are making the counter argument are just being very, uh, very cynical, to say the least. I mean, this is a, a horrible look. And how it got to this point, um, and, and I, I know a lot of referees, so I talk to them. The demands, given how MLS represents its business and how well they appear to be doing and how much money they're generating, how much revenue is coming because of Messi and League's Cup and Mexican national team friendlies and expansion fees and blah, blah, blah. Their, their, their demands are not just reasonable. I mean, I think they're mandatory, right? I, I think that MLS should be going beyond so the demands that the PSRA is making. So it's a terrible look. Yeah, there isn't this chaos in other countries. And th this is a byproduct of, of um, the American system where you have a lot of tribalism and you have a, a federation that has never been willing to lead. And to your point about Sunil Gulati, I, I, I see that both ways. I think, yes, he was very good at getting everybody in a room. I, I have to give him a lot of credit for that. NASL, USL, get, getting uh, Alec Papadakis and whoever the commissioner of NASL was at the time into a room and saying, hey, guys, you need to work it out. Hey, guys, you need to try and work together, although it never did work out. But he did do that. Um, he was paying attention to the chaos on the lower division level. Um, however, the flip side is I think everything he did was done to benefit Major League Soccer in the broader sense. So Cindy Par uh, Carlos Cordero and now Cindy Parlocone have inherited a bad hand where if the Federation tries to retake control and rein in MLS, there is institutional resistance to it. So I think that that's a problem. Um, however, the USSF board um, has turned over recently. And, I, and my understanding is uh, uh, there is not as much support for MLS on the board as there used to be. So um, this could be a process. It also could be Don Garber and the owners understanding, hey, if we wait another year or two, USSF board is going to be totally independent. Uh, they're going to put their foot down on us. Let's make our power play now. Let's do it while the Federation is still weak, while the Federation is still in transition. And let's also do it at a time where it's a maximum effect for Soccer United marketing uh, and Apple because Messi is in the league and because League's Cup has just launched. So and because we've lost the U.S. Open Cup rights. So this is all very interesting, although, I mean, look, uh, another subplot of what's happened in the last couple of weeks, and maybe we'll get to this in a second, Chris, is the TV situation. You know, I, I, as I'm running up the phone lines talking to people, uh, people in USL, not necessarily at the league itself, but at the clubs are really, really upbeat about um, their their situation in, in, in local media and in national media because MLS has gone to Apple. I mean, they're, they're feeling really good about yeah. their situation as a result. Yeah, well, yeah, and also NWSL, right, in terms of their TV yeah. deal yeah. and uh, their games available, you mean... I mean, across oh, many different I, but, networks. But, but I'm, I'm saying, like, for USL teams, they're really excited about the local potential. So oh, this yeah, is yeah, something yeah. I, I hadn't thought about with Apple. Okay, so Apple, we thought about, okay, that's going to leave ESPN, CBS, NBC open. And certainly uh, NWSL and USL have taken advantage of that. USL just renewed with ESPN. They already have a deal with CBS. They're going to have games on CBS network television this year. Um, but 
what USL clubs, and this is uh, multiple clubs, this is a half dozen clubs, different clubs telling me privately is it has opened the door for them to get on local television. So even if those specific channels weren't showing MLS games, um, there would be uh, some regional sports network in their area that was showing MLS. Uh, or um, there was just this, this, this thing, thought that, well, you're second division. USL, by virtue of MLS going into the Apple vacuum, has allowed itself to get on local television. And so there are three top 15 markets in the country, media markets, that uh, MLS doesn't have teams in, Phoenix, Detroit, and Tampa Bay. All three have um, USL teams. All three have gotten linear, uh, over-the-air, not uh, regional sports net, over-the-air uh, television deals in their markets. That's yeah, pretty good. I, yeah, no, that's awesome. And I, so I, I get why Major League Soccer feels threatened a little bit too, right? Because, I mean, all the games are behind a paywall, except for maybe one game a weekend on either FS1 or Fox. But even Fox is putting in like a really weak effort in terms of promoting these games. So um, there's not a lot in it for them, it seems. So, um, so I mean, the driver is MLS season pass. But for those fans who are not subscribing to you know, MLS season pass behind the paywall, I mean, having games available uh, more than ever for USL across ESPN+, Plus, uh, across CBS, the actual network CBS, uh, CBS Sports Network, and, and, and other places... Um, that league is going to be more accessible than ever before. Now it's up to the viewers to decide, I mean, are they going to tune into those games? What are those viewing numbers going to look like? Uh, is, is it worth it? Is there much of an appetite there for uh, fans wanting to watch uh, soccer in the, in the United States, the, the local team? And it could be on the, the local regional network also, uh, which is something that, that Major League Soccer doesn't have. So MLS in many ways is, is actually I mean, maybe ahead of the game in terms of having all of their games behind a paywall, um, while USL and and uh, NWSL kind of a hybrid approach where it's even some on streaming, some some on TV, uh, some on cable. Uh, we'll have to wait and see kind of which one is ends up being I the do, winner. Yeah, I do want to say in, in deference to MLS and Apple, I do think it's very easy to identify where and when an MLS game is. You know where, where where you find it, you find it on Apple, and what time it's at. It's generally at seven thirty local time, whatever the local time is for the kickoff. Um, USL, the it's going to be all over the map this year. I'm just warning USL yeah. fans about that. And uh, if you're in a local market, it's also kind of fragmented because some. So, for example, uh, Tampa Bay just did their TV deal with with Channel Forty Four, um, which is a, a CBS Paramount owned station, but actually a CW affiliate, but it's owned by. Uh, CB, uh, CBS corporate, um, they um, will not show the games that are also on CBS because they're a CBS corporate channel, right? So basically, the, you might find some rowdy games on CBS Sports Network or on uh, uh, Big CBS or on Golasso that are not on. Actually, the Golasso games will also be on 44, but the, the, you don't have to have this kind of explainer for MLS. So that's that's an advantage. And as far as NWSL, I mean, I, I, I tried to wrap my head around this, Chris. I'm going to ask you a question. Have you, have you figured out where each NWSL <laughs> game is going to be? Because I have. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Uh, well, we've got the schedule at worldsoccertalk.com, uh, the NWSL TV schedule, and we have all of the listings there. Well, actually, I have to, I have to double check to make sure they're updated because, you I mean, it's a moving target. But the, there's the, stuff on NWSL Plus also. Exactly. Exactly. Which uh, we'll have to wait and see how that looks too. But um, that, for me, is going to be my go-to place or, or, or our app, which is uh, Soccer TV Schedules app, which is on Android and uh, Apple. And that's free to download, and that that you can go ahead and favorite favorite teams, or filter it by NWSL. Just see all those listings as you can do for any any team or any league. So so that's my go to because otherwise, without that, I would be completely lost. Honestly, as a soccer fan, I would be like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I have no idea where these games go, are going to be. Um, you mentioned too with, with MLS season pass, it's easy now. Just you know, Saturday night, seven thirty uh, Eastern time or 7.30 local time to see you know, into miami whoever it may be. The reality is that this season so far, into miamis first game was on a Wednesday night to open the season. Uh, the next game was on a Sunday night, I think at 9 o'clock Eastern time. And then this weekend's game on Saturdays at 4.30 Eastern time uh, against Orlando, which is going to be on Big Fox and MLS Season Pass. So into miami so far seems to be the one that they're going to move around a little uh, to try to maximize the viewership for for that for that time period, or at least get people watching that, and then hoping that they also watch the seven thirty uh, local time games on on a Saturday night and and some of the other random ones that appear at different times. Um, from this p- first week of Major League Soccer uh, season pass, MLS season pass. Um, I mean, I, I've been watching the Inter Miami games and I watched the LAFC Seattle game. Uh, so far, coverage is good. I mean, we're actually missing some people, though. In addition to the reporting that we did at WorldSoccerTalk.com about all of the uh, the commentators let go and the people that, that, that they didn't uh, rehire uh, and those that they did, uh, I think Katie Witham has been missing in action. She hasn't appeared, and she was one of the best uh, persons last season, um, kind of doing the sideline reporting, doing the interviews. Um, we reported a couple of weeks ago that uh, Christina Uncle's no longer uh, on MLS Season Pass or MLS 360, and she was the star of the show in terms of her referee analysis. Uh, Melissa Ortiz is no longer uh, with MLS Season Pass, and she was there last season. 
So as as the season goes on, we're finding out more and more people have been either let go or uh, not rehired. So MLS season pass is definitely cutting back, but so far the production's been good. Uh, and I'm looking forward to watching more and more of uh, MLS 360 with uh, Kevin Egan as the host. So yes, uh, yes, listeners, I do watch Major League Soccer. <laughs> All right, Kotick. Oh my gosh. I mean, this is so, this, this like last few months and the last couple of weeks have been so frustrating. We've been wanting to do the podcast, holding off, hoping that a decision will be made. Uh, I think we know what the decision is going to be. It, it's, I mean, I, I, it just feels dirty. It feels like just like, just a horrible experience. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that are just going to put the, ha- hold the hands up and say, Hey, enough's enough. You mean, I, I just quit, quit trying to figure out how to watch these games or, but what I would say is that um, if you have been supportive of the U S open cup in terms of it, keeping it alive, when the tournament does start, definitely go check out some of these games. You mean, cause it, it is, you mean, it's to me, one of the highlights of a regular season is is seeing those games. Is to me just like the FA Cup. Um, sometimes even better. Sometimes not so much. But you you can get 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 that with any cup cup competition in terms of uh, consistency. All right, Kartik. Let's move on to listener mailbag. A couple of comments here from our listeners. First up is Chris. He says uh, when it comes to the Fox TNT ESPN mega streaming app, I think it's a good idea in that it makes it easier to manage streaming subscriptions since everything would be in one app the days of having multiple streaming subscriptions would largely be over though you would still need peacock paramount plus and mls season pass to watch mls premier league and the champions league however if the price point is too high people are not going to subscribe to it especially if it's over 60 dollars a month um so far what we've heard chris is that the pricing although not official yet is going to hover around the 50 dollars a month which um, to me, I think I think it's almost a non-starter if it doesn't show everything I, I want to see. I mean, that's that would be I would have to have Fubo and this thing and Peacock and Paramount Plus, and of course, there's been talks about uh, Peacock and and Paramount Plus possibly merging together. That makes more sense for me as a soccer fan. But I don't know. I, I mean, whether it's the antitrust. Um, uh, to me, this this app seems to be dead on arrival. It, I'm, I'm, I just wonder whether or not it'll actually happen. Regarding Major League Soccer, a couple of comments here from um, Dermot and Robert. First up, Dermot says, I was reading the article about the upcoming Argentina friendlies. If you add the Copa America matches and potential Olympic matches to those matches, should Miami uh, season tic- hold, ticket holders get some sort of a rebate for the matches Messi will not play? Or will Major League Soccer adjust the Miami games so that Messi can still play the full number of MLS games? Or does the club just say there is no guarantee any particular player will play? Kartik, what do you think about that one? That's an that's an easy answer, right? Well, I think that uh, they, they, they have a precedent where they rearranged all sorts of LA Galaxy games the year Beckham arrived uh, in order to maximize his appearance. So oh. um, they've done it before. Yeah, I think I think I think the the difference though is season ticket holders, right? How many of those were season ticket holders, or how many of those were actually kind of just uh, pay at the gate? You know I mean uh, for those games that re- they're rearranged? Well, I don't know. I mean, I I, I think that they yeah, they were probably more pay at the gate, but um, 
I mean, this happens in other sports. You know, I know, um, I, I know, uh, uh, someone who, who went over for a Liverpool Spurs match and, uh, Sky picked up the game and moved it to a certain time and that had to change their flight, uh, even though they had booked only two months before the match. This was several seasons ago. But, you know, that that's that happens in the Premier League. It happens in the NFL every week. It happens in college, college football. We find out the start times, uh, 13 days, uh, because we say, OK, ABC picked up this game. CBS picked up this game. Uh, uh, ESPN's doing this one. So uh, it happens in other leagues and other sports. Um, college basketball is one where it doesn't happen. It's the start time is the start time, the, the uh, published start time. So maybe MLS fans have to get used to it, particularly with Messi. Um, they're not going to have this opportunity again, right? They're not going to get someone of this stature um, that's going to potentially cut through and get uh, casual sports fans to come to an MLS game, particularly as they are now on Apple. I, 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 I know we get in, uh, people get very angry that we keep bringing up that issue, but it is an issue because they're not talking about MLS on uh, in mainstream sporting circles the way they used to. But they have this t- this tool that can get everybody talking about them. So why not move start times? I'm sorry for the ticket holders. That's just from a business standpoint. If I'm MLS, I would do what I can to maximize it. Yeah, the answer to my question, uh, the answer to Dermot's question for me is that he's going to miss a bunch of games. He's going to miss a lot of games. There's going to be no rebates. Uh, there's no guarantee that any particular player will play. Um, there will be some fans that will feel, I don't know, maybe cheated, but upset definitely that he won't play. But to me, it's a bigger issue, which the, the bigger issue is that to me, um, Fans really sh- shouldn't be supporting it, individual players. You, you yeah, support yeah, your it's team. Always ha- it's always happened. Okay, so uh, just I'll give you an example. Uh, this person probably is listening to the podcast. So, I, uh, they, But I, I know a reporter from South Florida that drove up to Orlando against the Galaxy just because this reporter liked Robbie Keane. And Bruce Arena then made it very clear, you know, I didn't bring Robbie Keane because I don't want him playing on turf, right? <laughs> so, and Orlando had turf at the time. They were at the Citrus Bowl at the time. So, um, you know, you even had reporters making decisions about individual players. Um, maybe that's not the wisest thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that's why I think it's really, I mean, I, I don't want to tell fans what to do. But to me, I mean, to me personally, I support my team. And through thick and thin, I mean, no matter, players come and go. Um, I'm not going to personally support or follow one player. I might have my favorite player, but the likelihood that player moves on to a different club, I'm not going to switch clubs or start starts kind of wearing the shirts shirt color of a different team because he's moved to a different team. Um, but uh, there are a lot of fans out there. There are Messi fans that wherever Messi goes, uh, they will follow. Um, it's strange. Okay, Robert says, uh, is Inter Miami MLS's first super team? Many pundits are predicting Miami will be the top team in the league. I know Kartik believes the MLS needs a super team. Not sure those are his exact words. So far, no real uh, dynasties, but a couple of teams like Seattle, LAFC, and maybe Cincinnati and Columbus stay on top due to owners willing to spend in good management. Miami's main claim to the top is big spending and bending the rules, not good management. They may be burnt again this season if they did it again, if, if they did again violate the, the league rules, which will really need to change. They will be the top team at times this year, but probably not an, enough of the time to finish on top. Kartik is into Miami MLS's super team and, and 
does does MLS need them? MLS needs a super team. I don't know that it's Inter Miami. The I still look at the early years of MLS. Uh, sorry, Metro Stars fans and and New England Revolution fans and Miami Fusion fans, Chris. Um, but um, the 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 DC United dynasty is still something I think very fondly about it. And the way Kevin Payne constructed that, Kevin Payne versus Arena constructed that team, our friend Thomas Rongan took him over. I think the uh, the second iteration of DC United is something I think fondly about uh, under Petr Novak and. Um, the the, the 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 runs that the Galaxy have had, um, the Chicago Fire had, that was more Open Cup, but they, they did win the one MLS Cup. Uh, but they won a bunch of Open Cups, kind of in, in close succession, with Peter Wilt as their GM. Um, and then, obviously, Seattle in the Open Cup. I think those have been good for the game in this country. I, I think you need that. You have to have that. What I would say is that MLS season pass needs a super team. And and that team is is into Miami, and it's not just Messi. I mean, so kind of watching this team play, you're almost hoping that they lose. But then then if you're a fan, you're you're hoping that they win. Obviously, um, it's a team that everyone loves to hate or or, or loves, um, and that is an attraction where every weekend, that's probably the first uh, game I'll look for. I'll be like, okay, into Miami's playing. They're playing on on Saturday. Maybe I should go ahead and, and, and make sure I've, you know, I'm free at that time so I can watch it live. Um, with the rest of the league, the, there's no other team that I that I would say that about. Um, St. Louis, I love seeing, I mean, the atmosphere, the crowds, the TFOs. Um, you look at the rest of the league, LA Galaxy it impressed me big time against Inter Miami last Sunday night. Really good performance, uh, especially from uh, Ricky Pooch. Uh, but I'm not going to tune in to I'm not going to subscribe to MLS Season Pass just for LA Galaxy. So the league as a whole, I mean, so I think I think you need that into Miami. You actually need more than one super team to get people to to watch, uh, to care to you mean to, to care about actually subscribing because it's not cheap. All right, listeners, uh, there's a bunch of different ways you can get in touch with us. We'd love to get your feedback. You can post it on worldsoccertalk.com. You can go ahead and leave us a voicemail at 561-247-4625. Twitter is at worldsoccertalk. Uh, you can also reach us youtube.com slash worldsoccertalk. Leave your comments there. Facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. Um, you can leave that uh, messages there too. Uh, Kartik, where can they find you on Beyond the Ninety? Uh, Beyond90.substack.com. Um, we're really heavy into this uh, uh, this U.S. Open Cup stuff and uh, various things going on in Florida. Uh, USL season starts next week, so uh, we're going to be really busy once that starts and pick up MPSL and MISA as, as those, those kick on and, and USLW League. And then, of course... Um, I think a big part of the focus of our site is going to be this year is going to be the USL Super League, the new women's league with uh, with uh, two teams in Florida starting in August, Jacksonville uh, in a year or two. And uh, you mentioned Christina Uncle earlier in the podcast. She is the president of the Tampa Bay Sun. And right now I'm looking at that club as kind of the model club. Um, in this new league. And it's, by the way, a Division One league. They just got their, I think since the last time we recorded, they got their D1 sanctioning. So they are on the same plane as NWSL, which goes back kind of to your point, Chris, about you know, confusion, right? And, and the Federation. You know, we have two D1 women's leagues now, which uh, I think is very confusing for people. Uh, also, you can find me at Twitter at KKFLA737.
yeah, if you did have a new fan or, or a family member that wants to learn about soccer and they sat down and said, hey, talk to me about like U.S. soccer and how it's structured. So what's the difference between Inter Miami and, um, I don't know, a Tampa Bay Rowdies? Or, I mean, do they, when do they play each, play each other? I mean, and then you go down go down the, the list in terms of all the, the different, the way it's so different versus overseas, which to me, overseas is a little bit easier to understand and to get into. So as a result, I mean, I, I get why MLS is trying to own everything. It's trying to be in control and be the only game in town. I disagree with that completely, but I think it's US soccer's place to really, really stand firm and, um, you mean, try, try to prevent this. But I think it's too late. I think they've, they've completely lost it in terms of uh, the way that they organize things. All right, Kartik, we covered a lot of ground. Listeners, thank you so much for your uh, loyalty and listening and your perspectives. We'll be back next time. Enjoy your football.